Hello, everybody. Jace here. Quick message before we get to the main episode. Uh, you know, I try not to get too political on the show. Maybe if that's something that really interests the guest, we might get into a little bit of politics, but mostly we're here to just celebrate comics. But uh, I can't ignore what's going on in the world, specifically the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. So uh, on our Twitter, pinned as the tweet, is a link to UNICEF which is an organization that focuses on uh, areas of the world where there is a lot of strife, war going on. Specifically, they try to provide clean water, medical care, and other uh, essential needs specifically for children and families. So regardless of which side of the fence you're on, whether or not you believe that one side or the other is right or wrong, uh, we can all agree that children and their families shouldn't be suffering for the choices that their leaders are making. So please, if you have a few dollars, uh, every little bit helps. You can go to unicef.org, that's U-N-I-C-E-F dot O-R-G, and just look for the Ukraine appeal. Click there, or you can go to the Comic Source Twitter account, and the link is there for you to donate. So uh, again, appreciate the support, everybody, and I uh, hope you're all being safe out there. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace, along with my buddy, Blake Whitlow. Blake, thanks for joining me. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks. Yeah, we are uh, moving along with the Spawn reading order, celebrating 30 years of Spawn. I promise I'd recap everything for you guys this episode. So real quickly, uh, like I said, 30th anniversary of Spawn, 30th anniversary of Image Comics. So uh, for those not aware, Spawn broke the record a couple of years ago for longest-running creator-owned series when it hit issue 301. At that point, I was like, you know what? Spawn is a hole in my comic knowledge. I, I haven't read it since like issue 25. I need to do that. And I still didn't. And then fast forward another two years, and Todd McFarlane's like, hey, I want to start my own connected superhero universe that eventually will have characters that aren't even related to Spawn. But the way I'm going to do that organically is I'm going to launch some other titles for the first time ever there will be more than one spawn uh you know kind of ongoing series as opposed to uh, kind of a uh you know one shots or minis or or that sort of thing so we've got spawn but we also have king spawn we have gunslinger spawn we have the scorch which is which is a spawn team book and so i was like all in let me jump on board ground floor uh you know like who wouldn't want to jump in uh, you know, for Fantastic Four one and Spider Man one and Hulk one. Not not saying for sure this is going to get to there, but you know, it could. You, who knows? Stranger things have happened. Uh, but what I found was when I read Gunslinger Spawn and um, and King Spawn that I wasn't as versed. Like it, it it referenced a lot of stuff from the you know thirty years of Spawn that I didn't know anything about. So again, I thought to myself, I really need to read Spawn. And so knowing it was the 30th anniversary of Spawn and Image Comics, I said, okay, now's the perfect time. We'll read the entire Spawn series. So we started Countdown to Christmas, 12 Days of Spawnmas instead of 12 Days of Christmas. And Rocky from Comic Boom and I did the first 12 issues. You guys really responded. You liked it. So we decided, hey, let's keep it going in the new year. 
with issue 13, with the 30th anniversary. So that's what we've been doing. Now, Blake comes into the picture because what I realized once before a little uh, few issues before we got to issue 50 was that, man, there are so many things that happen in these other uh, Spawn books, like Spawn Batman or, or Violator or Angela or Curse of Spawn or, or, what, or Sam and Twitch that are referenced in the main series and have a big impact on the events that happened in the main series. So I didn't want to skip them like uh, I had been doing because I felt like there was worth and value. Plus we get a chance to see other creators, other writers and artists and get their take on Spawn. So when I went looking for a reading order, Blake's was by far and away the best one out there. There's a link in the show notes. You can check it out. Uh, He's been working on it lately, sort of re-inspired by joining me to do these, uh, putting in more notes about where things tie in and just tying the continuity of Spawn together more. So that being said, you know, the original plan was to do one issue per episode for the regular series, and we will continue to do that. But sometimes there will be other episodes that have one, two, three, four, all the way up to six issues of something else, of Sam and Twitch, of Curse of Spawn, of whatever one shot uh, there might be so that and I'll attempt to do them at the appropriate time. So sometimes you might not get an episode. Uh, you know, there may, a day may come when there's not a regular episode of the Spawn series, but it might be something else. Or there may be days where you get an episode of something else plus an issue of Spawn. Um, and this is all in the hopes of getting this done in a year because by adding in all that extra stuff, we go way over the 335, 340 issues of the regular Spawn series that we'll be at by the end of the year. And I want to finish it this year. So that's where we are. That's what we're doing. Uh, Based on the downloads, you guys are digging it. So we really appreciate the support. All that being said, let's dive into issue 58, which is the issue that we're up to uh, today. So let me go ahead and share my screen. Check out that sweet Capullo McFarlane cover. Blake and I have talked a lot recently about how this is such a sweet spot for the art with Capullo doing pencils and McFarlane on inks. Uh, And I even said that I think issue 56 is my favorite of anything we've done so far in terms of art from Capullo. And I went looking for pages. Now I have original art and I know original art has gotten five, six, seven, 10 times more expensive since the pandemic started. So I was expecting it to be expensive, but I, you know, maybe naively not, thinking about, okay, this is McFarlane originally. Now, granted, it's not McFarlane's pencils, you know, some, like something McFarlane penciled, I know goes for, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, but I was like, this is McFarlane ink. So maybe it won't be as expensive. Yeah, I was wrong. I was wrong. First of all, I couldn't even find any pages from issue 56, but all the Capullo pages that I found, uh, I think the cheapest one I found was like $8,000. And uh, as much as I love, that issue, I can't, I couldn't, even if I'd found a page from that issue, if it was $8,000, I could not, I couldn't justify that. So that's um, insane. <laughs> yeah. It, they, yeah. They are ridiculously expensive. High quality art though. And again, yeah. I, I mean, I should have, I didn't stop to think about it. All I was thinking was, oh, this is a Capullo page and you can find Capullo pages for three, four, 500 bucks, you know, less than a thousand. And I can, I can swing that. Um, and I was thinking, yeah, it's a Capullo page. I wasn't thinking about, well, no, it's it's a McFarland page too, which I I cannot <laughs> I cannot swing. So, uh, well, let's go ahead and dive into the issue. Orphans story by Todd McFarland, pencils by Greg Capullo, inks by McFarland and Danny Mickey, with Chance Wolf joining this uh, inky team as well. Tom Orzakowski, editor and letters, 
And then uh, as usual, Brian Haberlin and Dan Kemp on the colors. So a uh, real re quick recap of 57, which we talked about last time. Uh, Forsberg had been rescued in that aforementioned issue 56 that I talked about uh, and taken back to Spawn's Rat City. And, and Guy was just out of it, babbling and ripping up little pieces of paper and pretty much driving Spawn crazy. And Spawn's talking to Terry Fitzgerald going, I don't know what the hell you want me to do with this guy. He's useless. Um, and during the course of uh, talking to Terry, all of a sudden, Cygor, who had been hiding out in Rat City, attacked. And although Spawn beat him, what was interesting was that the name Cygor triggered some memories from uh, Forsberg. Apparently, he knew about the Cygor project and Jason Wynn's involvement with it. Um, and that's kind of where it was left. So we pick up uh, with this issue. And it was, I was very surprised, although I did catch on right away. Um, we see some boys that are traveling from Alabama to New York. And it talks about two months ago, and the, the boys uh, first created their plan. They weren't sure if they'd be able to do it. A lot of taunting. And they escaped from a juvenile detention uh, facility. And it becomes quick, at least it became apparent to me pretty quickly on this first page here, that these are the two boys that spawn uh, supposedly or thought that he rescued, right? The two boys that were being physically abused by their father who worked for the sheriff's department and Spawn confronted their father, maybe naively thought that he had solved their problem by putting some temporary tattoos on the father saying, you know, I, be I beat my kids. And uh, all it did was enrage the father more. And uh, the older of the two boys ended up getting the father's gun and killing him while Spawn continued on his journey back to New York. So now these boys have escaped the juvenile detention facility that they were in and how they got there will be explained uh, in this issue. Uh, and they're on their way looking for Spawn. We know Spawn had a bit of a bond with them, especially with the younger of the two. And so uh, they are on their way to, to try to find him. And of course, they step off the bus, New York City, naive, overwhelmed, um, not knowing what to do and sort of written all over their face in a lot of ways. And so they're quickly preyed upon by some drug dealers. And it's not too long before uh, the older of the two boys is delivering packages and um, working for this guy named Snake. But one thing that I'll say is that uh, he, he knows that it's maybe a little bit hypocritical, but he does manage to keep his brother safe. He manages to say, hey, I'm doing this, but you're you're not going to. Um, and, you know, he does in some ways enjoy it. You got to realize that these these are kids who have never had any agency of their own. They've always been at the power of, uh, of someone else. So it's sort of a kind of a sad but true story in a lot of ways realistic it's not surprising to see why they're in this situation that they're in you know abusive childhood and then thrown into juvie and then they have a literal superhero fall into their lap and try and save them you it, it's no surprise that they're that they're where they're at <laughs> yeah and i mean these aren't these aren't city kids you know they grew up in the country they grew up in alabama they're not yeah, it's it's an unfortunate cycle. So, uh, but one thing that that is stressed by McFarlane again, no subtlety in the story, 
the older of the boys, Eddie, you know, he does try to protect his brother, his, his little brother, Andy, as much as possible and says, hey, yeah, you're not going to get involved. Um, and you can just see these these boys headed down a, a wrong path. So meanwhile, in the alley, and this, this is what's interesting, right? Because um, it's been a, a period of time, right? From the time the boys get off the bus until this um, collage piece, this montage piece that uh, Capullo does, we're told this was 30 days ago and this is New York. And then the scene shifts to the alley and Sigor's body still laying there. And uh, Forsberg is still there just in his underwear. <laughs> so I'm not, the timeline seems strange to me. Now, one could argue that, uh, so maybe we flash back. Maybe, you know, these boys got to New York 30 days ago and then it lines up more and, and Spawn is examining this body, you know, the, the same night that he took out Saigor. That would make more sense, but it's not, you got to stop to think about, to think about it. It's not um, super obvious, but anyway, as Spawn is creep, creeping around, remember his skills as a mercenary, his skills as Al Simmons, his familiarity with, you know, weapons and technology and whatnot. He, he finds a tracking device in Saigor, which is pretty surprising because Saigor was just kind of out there on his own. I didn't think, I thought he was, he had broken loose and he was free and nobody was tracking him, but apparently that's not the case. Apparently he's, he's been being tracked and when Spawn removes this and he, he even shows it to Forsberg, you should know what this is. You were you know, part of the company or whatever. It's a tracking device and Spawn crushes it. So we come to find out that not only did Saigor have a tracking device, but apparently it was active and people were actively tracking him. And these two guys freak out when the tracker goes silent. And who's on the other end of the leash for Saigor? Well, of course, it's Jason Wynn. Uh, so again, this seems it seems a little wonky to me because they talk like they knew Cygor was there all, all along or, or that they were tracking him to New York city, but didn't know exactly where he was. So I'm not, I'm not really sure. They're like, they, did they send him out against spawn specifically, but then they didn't know where he was. They didn't know that he'd found spawn. Like, I'm, it's not really clear to me. Like, if you had a tracking device and you knew it had been stationary for some period of time after having moved, you know, been moving for a month to travel from wherever he was to the uh, rat city, and then it stops, I would think, okay, you know, he's been after spawn. It's been moving all this time. Now it stopped. He's where we want. He's where we need him to be. He has found spawn. Let's, let's go find him. That's not the case. You know, do you get what I'm getting at Blake? Yeah, um, I completely agree. I'm wondering if this is one of those situations in comic book writing where um, a writer needs to find a solution to a problem, you know, like from what I've heard when it comes to writing, especially like in, in this kind of era of comic books, they introduce a problem, but they don't have the entire thing planned out, you know, because it's a monthly uh, series, they can come up with a problem to, right now and then solve it like 12 months from now. Yeah. So the whole Cygor plot line has been going on since issue, uh, I think, 38. So it's been, you know, a couple of years <laughs> yeah. in, in real world time, but it's only been like a month in comic book time or something like that. So 
I'm wondering if this is one of those situations where he didn't know what the story behind Saigora was when he initially introduced him, but then kind of figured it out as time went on. Yeah, a little little wonky, but at least he does tie it back into Jason Wynn. Uh, and we do get our three talking heads uh, who like to show up. And uh, there's not really a lot of information with, with what they say. I do want to point out that it's no longer uh, e-entertainment television. It's now infotainment television, uh, but it's still CNN. But that'll change soon <laughs> to CNR. Uh, so I, I don't know if it was copyright stuff or what. But um, the only they, they just talk about how the president's um, – the confidence in the president and his foreign policy continues to erode. So just reminding us that, yeah, Jason Wynn's not on good footing because his weapons um, network hasn't been functioning due to what Terry and Spawn did. So uh, meanwhile, Andy and Eddie have uh, finally decided to, to actually seek out Spawn, maybe word on the street somehow it's finally got to them. So they, they actually go looking they run into Cogliostro, who says, hey, what are you kids doing here? It's a dangerous place for you to be. Um, and when they explain that they're actually friends of Spawn, Cog actually gives them a little bit of direction, but only gets so close, which I find interesting, telling them, hey, yeah, I, I he doesn't like company. I'm not going to go in there myself. You know, you're on your own, which, you know, we see Cog go in there all the time. So it's clear in a way he's testing these boys. Do they, do they really want to go and and check out Spawn. So meanwhile, Spawn's just hanging out as uh, Forsberg rebuilds the uh, the throne for some reason. So it's kind of interesting, I guess, that uh, Spawn, Alsim is just kind of sitting there stewing. Um, yeah, and kind of creepy with all the, the dead bodies, uh, as we've seen for the past couple of issues. So obviously, uh, when Spawn sees these two coming, he kind of melts into the shadows and they're, uh, the two boys are asking Forsberg, like, hey, um, what's going on? Who are you? The smell bothers them. Obviously, they're a little freaked out, all the dead bodies. Uh, and Spawn rises up behind them. Um, and they're kind of scared by the noise. And then when they turn around, it's, it's actually a really funny and sort of heartfelt moment. They turn around and see that it's Spawn and Andy gives them a big, big hug, you know. And they talk like, oh, hey, good to see you, old buddy. How you been? Uh, you, you know, we, we were worried there was blood everywhere. There's all these dead bodies. But, you know, now Spawn's there. And they just, again, it's kind of the innocence of youth and whatnot. Um, and then he's, Spawn's like, wait, who are you guys? It's like, don't you remember? We're from Alabama. You know, you, you helped us out with our dad. Okay, great. You guys ran away from your father. So then the boys take the time to explain about how, you know, it didn't, things didn't actually work out that well. And, you know, I talked about it at the time, wasn't the best plan from Al Simmons, what he did, thinking that the father would actually reform his ways. Um, So they, the boys are like, yeah, so it didn't work out. We got put in foster care uh, and they were a bunch of holy rollers and we accidentally burned their house down. And then the judge said we did it on purpose and they put us in this juvenile detention facility and because my dad was you know on the police force sheriff's office whatever nobody would believe us when we told them that he used to beat us and so yeah we're just we're in a bad place we managed to escape we're going to come and live here with you and spawn's like you're gonna what (laughs) so obviously that's you know spawn is not exactly in a position to to take care of kids and so um the older of the two boys eddie's like man you got to do something for us. This is all your fault. Like 
you know, you, you, what you did forced me to have to kill our dad. And, you know, we, we were surviving. We could have got along if you, you know, hadn't done that. Um, and spawns like, he's not having, he's like, it's not my problem. You guys need to go figure it out. Um, and that just pisses off the older boy, Eddie. He's like, what are you, what are you talking about? You know, fine. I mean, he's older, he's 14. He's used to adults letting him down. So it's a little easier for him to accept as opposed to Andy who always hero worship spawn and really sees him as a superhero. And so Andy doesn't want to leave. Eddie does. And so Eddie says, fine. Now, keep in mind, Eddie has been protecting his brother his entire life. So you can just imagine what it takes for him to turn his back on his brother and say, fine, like I'm done. You know, you want to stay with this, with Spawn, go, go right ahead. I'm, I'm out of here. And so he leaves. The brothers are, 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 uh, are separated. And when, uh, when Eddie gets back to his, I guess, boss is what you'd call him the guy that he's a drug mule for snake snakes like where you been you're supposed to do pickups and you know eddie kind of gives him some lip saying he's lucky he doesn't get his ass kicked honestly because he you know mouth off to your you know boss your drug dealer like this good way to get killed um but yeah he basically says hey you when i tell you to do pickups you do pickups you know just disappear or whatever um and so eddie tells him about uh well my because they ask, hey, where, where's Andy? Oh, you know, I left him with Spawn and, you know, he's a jerk and whatever. And most of the guys don't believe him. But Snake, for being a scummy drug dealer, is actually, you know, smarter than you might give him credit for. He's like, look, man, he tells the rest of his gang, look, these brothers have been inseparable. Andy has been protecting or uh, Eddie rather has been protecting Andy the entire time. And so for them to be separated, like there'd have to be a good reason. So he actually believes them. To add to that, Spawn, we know Spawn doesn't like drug dealers. And it turns out that Spawn has been bad for Snake's business. So when Snake finds out that Eddie might actually know where Spawn is, he's like, you know, he doesn't let on, but he he tells Eddie, he's like, hey, you know what? Spawn's actually one of our drops. And we we don't know, we haven't been able to get a hold of him. So you think you could show us where he is? You know, it's worth an extra 20 bucks for you. So next day, uh Eddie leads the gang out to uh, to Spawn's Lair, to Rat City, to try to t- take a Spawn out. And of course, before he knows it, before Snake can even you know realize his, the rest of his gang has been taken out. You know the guys he brought out to watch his flank. And when uh, Andy sees that Eddie's there, because what. Eddie did by leaving his brother there. He kind of did out of anger and frustration because he even thinks to himself as he's leading the guys, he's like, yeah, I'm going to get an extra 20 bucks. Plus I'm going to get a chance to check on Andy. So once it's just snake on his own and his, um, his buddies have been taken out. um, Andy notices Eddie and says, Oh brother. And once uh, snake sees that he actually grabs Andy as a hostage. And starts shooting into the shadows where he sees Spawn's eyes, uh, hears Spawn's voice coming from the, the alley. And uh, Eddie's not about to stand for that, right? Because, again, it's that brotherly instinct where he's been protecting his younger brother his whole life. So he actually uh, charges Snake and throws his shoulder into him. And wouldn't you know it, uh, Snake loses his balance and falls on some of the 
ribs, spikes, bones, whatever you want to call them, that are part of Spawn's throne and is impaled upon them and, and dies. Um, so it, Eddie is called a murderer here. I would, I would de- debate that. I would argue that he's not, he's not a murderer. First of all, he was trying to protect his brother. So self-defense at, at the least um, manslaughter at most, because this is not premeditated. Yeah. It was um, an accident. Yeah. yeah it was, it was kind of a, a not even a crime of passion. I don't know. I don't know what the word would be. It was an accident. You yeah, know, it was a total, yeah. I'm trying totally. to protect my brother. Yep. This guy's crazy. He's a drug dealer and he's firing off shots in, in a wild frenzy. And I shove him away and he fell to his death. It's not my fault. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not his fault. It just kind of happened. Yeah. I don't even think it would rise to the level of manslaughter. Yeah. To- total accident, like negligent homicide at, at best, but definitely self-defense. Like he, yeah, he's trying to protect his, his brother. But from a uh, child's perspective, you know, I did thing. Yeah. Thing led to person die. Yeah. But well, even, but even spawn, even spawn calls him. Uh, even spawn, but you know, maybe that's Al being dramatic and, and taking on some of the guilt. We'll talk about it when we get to it. But, but, uh, Andy did get hit, he did get shot. Um, and you know, again, for all, um, for all Eddie knew that he, you know, he was, he was dead. So, again, def- definitely self defense. So, spawn does call out his, uh, some of his buddies. They were told that they take, uh, they take Andy to a clinic that's close by where the, the nurses are sort of used to. Uh, helping Spawn and his friends. Turns out it was just a flesh wound. He's got shot in the arm. And uh, it is a wake-up call for the brothers that they need to go back. So they, they do go back home. They turn themselves back into the juvenile detention facility. But but they are changed in a lot of ways. Um, the, boys at, the other boys at the orphanage still tease them, but they don't get a reaction. And so they sort of stop teasing them. Um, and the, the staff, we're told the staff at the facilities, how could two boys uh, that were decent small town kids change in such a short time and now become cold and emotionless individuals with the capacity for murder. Like what could have stripped them of their innocence so quickly. So yeah, again, I mean, McFarland's pulling no punches here, but I, like, is it the capacity for murder just because they, the, this snake guy got killed completely his own fault. I mean, he went down there looking to kill spawn. Yeah. You know, wrong place, wrong time, his own fault. Like no, nothing about what happened. I would blame on the two boys. So saying capacity for murder, a little bit of a stretch, but um, I think it's a, you know, just poetic language. Yeah. 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 I would agree. I would agree with that. Uh, But still great art and an interesting departure. It it had been sort of a while since we'd had one of these kind of really emotion filled issues. And I think uh, it was good of McFarland to bring these two brothers back. I certainly didn't expect to see them back uh, Mm -hmm. at all. And there, the issue they were in before was obviously, you know, deals with child abuse and uh, abusive adults and whatnot. So obviously, that was a very powerful and emotional uh, issue. And every once in a while, it seems like McFarland wants to do this. Like he wants to to be a little provocative and tell a story about sort of the ills of society and and some of the things that are just out and out wrong with the world uh, with the backdrop of of Spawn, which I find interesting because. It, Spawn being such a dark uh, comic, it sort of lends itself to being able to tell these type of stories. But I, I, you can't really argue that this 
particular issue, it doesn't really advance any of the main storyline of Spawn forward much. I mean, we, we do get the fact that Spawn finds out that Sigor had a tracker. Jason Wynn apparently was the one pulling the strings behind Sigor. Whether or not that's a, a retcon on the part of uh, McFarland to figure out, I need to do something with Sigor. I just threw in a cybernetic gorilla because I'm told monkeys sell comics. Uh, and it's been two years and I got to circle back around to it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a little bit of that almost, hey, let's keep that plot line moving along. But for the most part, this is a story about these kids and Spawn and, you know, like I said, the sort of the ills of society. So there's not much to comment on in terms of the, uh, you know, the, the war on Jason Wynn that Fitzgerald and Simmons have been waging. Uh, it's more just about these kids and I mean, it's sort of depressing <laughs> when you read that last page and uh, realize they've gone, they've gone back, they've turned themselves back into a juvenile detention facility, which we're told like that doesn't happen, right? Like you don't, you don't escape from juvie and then go turn yourself back in. I mean, the juvenile authorities were, were shocked. That they the went boys- through the process of, of explaining to Spawn like how hard they've had it since he entered their life. Yeah. And, and mess up their life in the first place. So like, like you were saying before, you know, McFarlane is drawing attention to these systemic issues, you know, Oh, because his dad was a cop. All the cops are now biased against these kids and aren't going to believe them or, or help them in any capacity, you know, and that's a systemic issue. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's really the foster care system and the faults with that systemic issues. Yeah. It's really, it's really brutal when you think about it. Cause yeah, these kids have had a really tough time, you know, and you wish Mm -hmm. you wonder could spawn have done more. And and the other part of it is like, remember really early on, like single digit issues when the one guy comes to ask spawn for help with, um, with his uh, daughter, you know, his wife had died, I think. Um, and his daughter had been taken away from him because he didn't have enough. The court system said that he didn't have the means to support her. And he went and tried to help uh, or went and asked Spawn for help. And Spawn like said, you know, who, I'm not going to help you. Who, like, who the hell are you? I don't know who you are. Um, and the guy ended up be- getting killed. And then the, the little girl had nobody. So you, you would think that he would have learned his lesson, that Al would have learned his lesson and be willing to help these kids. I mean, that's kind of what I hoped when they, when they asked him for help, you know, we want to stay with you. Well, he can't stay with me, but maybe he can find some help or somebody that they can stay with. Um, Like here's a chance for him to actually make good on being a hero. Right. But we see that Al isn't there yet. (laughs) Well, we, and we've talked a lot about it in the past couple of episodes about how narcissistic and wrapped up in his own shit he is, Mm -hmm. you know, he can't see the forest for the trees. So. Uh, so yeah, emotional issue. Um, now I wonder if we have seen the last of these kids or if they'll come back again at some point more grown up, I guess we'll see. Uh, but yeah, all in all, not a bad issue. Um, and I am curious to see more of the Cygor, uh, Cygor storyline. So, um, anything else to add about this one before we move on, Blake? No, that's pretty much it. All right, everybody that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us as always, and we'll talk to you next time. Have a good one. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. 
The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.